Well, we're in the midst of studying the book of Galatians here at Ascension. Those of you who have been here for a while know that this is a first century letter written to uh, young churches in what is uh, today modern day Turkey. The Apostle Paul wrote it, remember, out of concern, uh, really astonishment, we might say, over these churches and these young Christians wandering through the influence of false teachers from the good news that, G- that the good news of Jesus that Paul proclaimed to them when he established these churches. He has defended his person. He has defended his authority. He has defended his message. He has defended his mission through an extensive recounting of all of his travels. And, and that's where we've been primarily. That's where we've spent most of our time in these first few weeks. And then last week, if you were here, he began to deep dive into the richness of the gospel message as he began to unpack the doctrines of, of justification and, and union with Christ. The crucial confusion that Paul has sought to clear up has been this. Is it through obedience to the law Or is it through faith alone that we are made right with God? And the answer, of course, that we have heard resoundingly over and over again is it is by faith. By faith alone. So as we continue this morning in this this line of thinking that Paul is in, beginning in chapter 3, Paul, in that same vein, launches into the nature of this faith and and what this faith gets us, we might say. Eight times you'll hear in these verses that I'm about to read. Eight times in these verses he'll bring up faith as he proclaims what it accomplishes in contrast to our works. And so I want to invite you to listen. You can certainly rely on the screen behind me to hear this initial reading of the passage, but I'd love for you, if you have your Bibles, to open them, to keep them open as we kind of work our way through this passage together and what the Lord is saying to us. If you're able, I'd invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word once again. Galatians chapter 3, Galatians chapter 3, beginning at verse 1, and I'm going to read down through verse 14. Listen as I read. Paul says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does He who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. 
And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the Gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. Amen. This is the Word of the Lord. Go ahead and be seated. There's a wonderful scene uh, in the movie, The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. If you're familiar with those movies, great movies. And there's a wonderful scene in that movie where Gandalf confronts Theoden, the king of Rohan. Theoden is ashen gray. He is lethargic due to the fact that the evil Saruman has cast a spell on him, a, ca- a spell that has skewed his perspective on his people, on who he is, on his role as king. And in this, in this beautiful power, powerful display of, of light over darkness, Gandalf comes into his presence and dramatically rebukes him and releases him, restoring him to his kingly strength. And if you've seen the movie, you can remember in your mind's eye the scene. As we pick up this letter of Paul to the churches of Galatia, This is the kind of image that these first couple phrases put in our mind's eye. Paul is exercised at this point. He he is upset, and rightly so. Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? J.B. Phillips, in his translation of that first phrase, translates it this, Surely you cannot be so idiotic. The language that Paul uses here, that word bewitched, it's, it's the language of pagan magic in the first century. It's almost as if, like Theoden, there is a spell that has been cast over their understanding. Those little... Circles, those little hypnotic circles are in their eyes. They've seemingly forgotten what He has proclaimed to them. A proclamation that was so vivid to them, He says. You've heard that a picture is worth a thousand words. Paul says here, a thousand words have created a picture. I painted it for you. I plastered it on a billboard for you. The crucifixion of the Lord Jesus. The sufficiency of Jesus' work on your behalf. And now you are seemingly spellbound by the distortion of those who have gone against my teaching. Paul's upset. And in hopes of 
snapping them out of it, he launches into this renewed defense of the gospel. And particularly a renewed defense of the role of faith over adherence to the law of Moses. He needs to remind them, and he needs to remind us here this morning, what comes to those who look in faith to the Lord Jesus? I've divided the section that I just read into three parts. Verses 2-5, through five, verses 6-9, through nine, and verses 10-14. through 14. Hopefully that's helpful for you guys who like outlines and organization. Three truths from each of those sets of verses for us to meditate on this morning. And the first truth is this. By faith... You have the Spirit. By faith, you have the Spirit. Now, of course, I'm talking to the church. I'm talking to those of you who know and love Jesus Christ. Paul is talking to the church, to those who know and love Jesus Christ and have come to Him. And he says to them, by faith, you have the Spirit. You see, Paul begins this section beginning with verse 2 by interrogating the Galatians with question after question concerning their experience of salvation, concerning what becoming a Christian looked like for them. He wants to force them to think about their position more carefully. And so he says, let me ask you only this. I love that. He says, let me ask you only this. And then he goes on to pepper them with questions. But they all flow from the first question found in verse 2. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Now let's just pause for just a moment there and make sure we know what he's talking about. This is Spirit, capital S. He is speaking of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity possessing the Holy Spirit, we might say being possessed by the Holy Spirit, receiving Him into your lives is at the center of what it means to be a Christian. And the Galatians' experience of Him, Him being the Spirit, was in some way vivid to them. It was very real to them, and Paul knew that. So Paul's emphasis here in this question is, You didn't earn the Holy Spirit, did you? He came to you when you believed in Jesus. He came to you by faith. And not only that, but His role in your lives from start to finish continues by faith. You see, Paul in his questioning covers really the entirety of their experience as Christians, not just their conversion. Verse 1, you saw Christ crucified through the eyes of faith. Verse 2, you trusted Him and received the Spirit of Christ. And this happened by way of the Spirit. Right? This is just as Jesus said in John 16.8. Jesus says concerning the Helper He will send while He was still on earth. And when He comes... He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. John 6.63 It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. 
Paul is just underscoring Jesus' words, saying, you didn't merit this through your work. You received the Spirit by faith. And the work of the Spirit, when received by faith, didn't stop there, did it? He writes in verse 3, having begun by the Spirit, are you now perfected in the flesh? See, it's not just that by the Spirit we come to believe, but by the Spirit we will be carried to the end. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. So the Spirit came by faith at your conversion. The Spirit stays by faith at the completion of your salvation. And then presently, it is the indwelling Spirit that battles your flesh. Paul will say this in this same letter, in 5.17, the Spirit empowers the work of the church. And what he says to the churches of Galatians specifically is that in your experience of the Christian life, the Spirit has been evident through suffering, verse 4, and through miracles, verse 5. Now we don't know precisely, he doesn't say, he doesn't tell us precisely how they suffered or what strength they had to endure or, or had to be given to endure. Nor does he say what specific miracles worked through them in their churches. But Paul reminds them that it was all by grace. Grace given in and by the Spirit of God through faith. Again, Jesus in John 14, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. From conversion, through suffering, amidst miracles, to that longed-for day of completion from A to Z, from start to finish. It has been the work of the Holy Spirit given to them by faith sustained by grace, not secured by their own righteousness. Now Paul's little diatribe here on the Spirit, it's not a full class on the Holy Spirit. There is much more that we could say about the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Paul is simply reminding the church and reminding us that by faith, you and I have the Spirit. The Spirit who has opened our eyes, who seals us to the end. The Spirit who walks with us in resurrection power. Believe and receive the Spirit. We must not lose sight of what Paul stresses. It's the gift of God received by faith. It's how it's always been. And that's where he goes next. As we move into that section, second section of verses, verse 6 through 9, he brings to mind one of the most significant, if not the most significant figure in Jewish history. And that brings us to the second truth. 
Not just by faith you have the Spirit, but by faith you are children of Abraham. By faith you are children of Abraham. There was a song I learned as a young boy growing up in the church. Perhaps some of you know it too. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's all praise the Lord. And then it gets right arm and left arm, and it gets really hokey. But the theology of that song is sound. And it's what Paul is saying in these verses, verses 6-9. through Many of you are familiar with the story of Abraham or the stories of Abraham. Some of you maybe not, and that's okay. There are many episodes of his life recorded for us in the book of Genesis, but I want to focus this morning just on two episodes of Abraham's life that I think are helpful in unpacking this and helping us understand this. The first one is where the phrase that's quoted here by Paul is from. It's from Genesis 15. Yahweh had chosen Abram, as he was called then, to leave his country to follow him to a new land in order that Yahweh might build a nation through him. Remember? I called you out of Ur, the Chaldees. Abraham followed and he promised to him again before entering into covenant with him that as numerous as the stars were in heaven, so would his offspring be. Abraham would be a blessing to the nations. And so the Scriptures record in Genesis 15.9, and Paul repeats it here in our passage, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now note, this is, this is two chapters before the sign of circumcision, which the Judaizers in, Gal- in the churches of Galatia are all wound up about and all wrapped around. This is two chapters before that sign is even introduced. Before Abram had done anything, he simply believed the promise of God, and upon belief in the promises of God, it was credited to him like a wage to an employee. It was credited to him righteousness. One commentator says it like this, trusting God was like opening a bank account. Immediately, God transferred righteousness into Abraham's account. So what Paul is proclaiming to the New Testament church, to the churches of Galatia, which are sprinkled, filled with Jews who knew these stories well, who knew of Abraham well, is that the Old Testament people of God were saved in the very same way. Not through adherence to the law, but through faith alone. This is the Gospel of the Old Testament. We see this even further. A few chapters later, in another well-known story of Abraham, the story of, of he and his son Isaac, the promised offspring And Genesis 22 records the event. You guys, most of you are familiar with it. God 
tested Abraham by telling him to take his son, his only son, and and offer him up to the Lord. And as he's walking with uh, Isaac, Isaac asks his dad, Dad, where is the lamb? He had told him he's going to offer a sacrifice to the Lord, but he doesn't have any animal with him. Where is the lamb? And Abraham responds in this way, Genesis 22.8, God will provide for Himself the lamb for a burnt offering. Now what does that tell us? Again, it tells us that Abraham believed in God's provision, not in his own. He places his faith in the atoning sacrifice. God's atoning sacrifice. The sacrifice that will point forward to Jesus. And not only that, but as Hebrews 11.19 says, the writer to the Hebrews says this, He, that is, Abraham considered that God was even able to raise him back from the dead. So not only was Abraham believing God's promise of the atoning sacrifice, God will provide it, but he was also believing in resurrection. In resurrection power. Living in the time of promise before the reality of Jesus came to earth, Abraham illustrates for us that faith is the initiation into His family. Not bloodline, not works of the flesh, but faith in the promises of God. Jesus will say this about Abraham when He comes to earth. In John 8.56, He says this, Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. The Gospel, according to Abraham, the Gospel of the Old Testament. By faith, we are made right with God. By faith, we have the Spirit. By faith, we are children of Abraham. You see, the Judaizers, they came into these churches... And as one commentator helps me write, he says their song was, Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them and you are not. So let's all get together for a little procedure called circumcision. (laughs) It doesn't have quite the jingle, does it? It doesn't have the jingle, nor is it theologically sound. By faith, We are children of Abraham. And if children, then heirs of everything that was promised to him. And you know, that's where Paul's going to go in a couple chapters. He's going to go to what we gain as sons and daughters of Abraham. But before he gets there, he brings in more of the Old Testament, which the Jews loved to continue making his case. And this is where we'll close today. Verses 10 through 14, by faith, God's blessing is yours. By faith, God's blessing is yours. As we move into verse 10 and following, having already brought up Abraham, this pillar of the Old Testament, Paul essentially now acts like he's a New Testament Moses, another pillar 
of the Old Testament. Listen to Deuteronomy 30, 19, where Moses, after renewing the covenant with Yahweh, says this, I call heaven and earth to witness against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life, loving the Lord your God, obeying His voice, and holding fast to Him. Through Paul to the churches in Galatia, he draws a similar line in the sand. Not just reflecting Moses, but he quotes all these places in the Old Testament. He quotes all this Old Testament Scripture. Verse 12 is from Leviticus 18.5. You shall therefore keep My statutes and My rules. If a person does them, he shall live by them. I am the Lord. Paul is reminding the Galatians, he's reminding us that those who rely on the law are cursed, are condemned. They are cursed because the law can't be fulfilled by us. It can't be perfectly obeyed. And if we fall, if we stumble at just one point, we are guilty of the whole thing. But blessing comes. Blessing comes through believing that the curses that have come as a result of disobedience were taken by one who was innocent in every way and yet became a curse for you and for me. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God. And so Paul says there are two ways before you, church. There's the way of works, the way of the law, the way that will result in condemnation and curse. Or there is the way of blessing through faith. And the one who has been promised, the one whom has been sent, the person of Jesus. Again, Paul quotes from the Old Testament in Habakkuk 2, verse 11. You see it there. He says, the righteous shall live by faith. Not the righteous shall live by working their tails off. The righteous shall live and be made righteous by faith. By faith alone, God's blessing Life and life eternal, peace, joy, and purpose. The Spirit of God who confirms all these things. They're ours. God's blessing by faith. So what do all these verses, what do these points press home to us? Really just one thing. Believe. Choose life. Choose blessing. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Believe and rejoice and rest in the fact that no curse lies upon you, but you are adopted into the family of Abraham, into the family of God. And the Holy Spirit is with you. 
He is yours by faith. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead gives you the power to walk in faith. Do you know what Gandalf says to Theoden when the fog lifts from his eyes, when the light returns to his heart and to his mind, when he's no longer bewitched by the evil and by the lies which have gripped him for so long? Gandalf gets in his face and says, breathe the free air again, my friend. Paul says the same thing. Breathe the free air again, my friend, through the Gospel of Jesus. Let's pray. Father in Heaven, we thank You for Your Word. These are difficult words from the Apostle Paul. Father, give us understanding into them that our Savior and His work might be all the more exalted and that our love for Him, our devotion to Him, our gratitude to Him might be all the more deepened. Father, what gifts You have given us by faith. What amazing grace. Father, may we go from this place filled to overflowing, not just knowing intellectually these realities, but believing them and and living from them. Oh, give us the strength, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.